everyone, I hope you're all doing so well and welcome back to the Criminal Makeup Podcast. Each episode, we dive into the minds of some of the worst criminals in history. And today, we're going to be talking about the case of Jane Andrews, also known as Lady Jane. So today's case is about as British as you can get. This case is most well known because of Jane's connection to the royal family. Yes, that is right, the royal family, the queen herself. Because Jane Andrews actually worked in Buckingham Palace. She spent time around the queen, the actual queen, Queen Elizabeth, and Princess Diana. I don't think I've ever been jealous of a criminal before, but I actually am jealous that she got to spend time with Princess Diana. Jane Andrews actually worked directly for Sarah Ferguson, aka the Duchess of York, aka Prince Andrew's ex-wife. Yes, that one. Uh Uh-huh. We all know what he did. So Jane was literally rubbing shoulders with the highest level of royalty. I mean, you can't get higher than who she was surrounded by. She was literally living this high life. And then all of a sudden things took a very deadly turn. And when the terrible events of today's case took place, wow, can you imagine the British tabloids had a field day? I mean, we all know what the British tabloids are like anyway, especially when it comes to the royal family. But then when someone is connected to the royal family, commits a murder, wow, they really did have a field day. And the media were absolutely fascinated with this case for the longest time, even to this day. I mean, we all know what the British press are like. They can't get enough of a royal family scandal. And I also just wanted to say that this case was originally requested by a very special person to me, and that is my nan. My nan, Bless her soul. She makes me laugh. She literally is obsessed with the royal family. She really is obsessed. Everything on her Sky TV planner is royal family. She records everything about the royal family. Even if she's watched the program or the movie five times already, she will still rewatch it and she will still record it. Anything that mentions the royal family, she is watching. She buys all of the magazines as well. So even though she did already know about this case, she pretty much did know everything already. She still wants to hear my take on it. So that is what we're going to be doing today. This one is dedicated to my nan. So let's just dive right in. So Jane Andrews was born on the 1st of April 1967, making her an Aries. And this is actually the first Aries case that I've done since Tracy Andrews. Do you remember that case? I'll leave a link up here if you haven't seen it yet. But it's so weird because Jane and Tracy actually have a lot of similarities. Um, They obviously have the same surname, but they're also both an Aries. They're both born in the UK. They're only two years apart from each other in age. And there's also some other similarities, which... Uh, We'll get on to later on it because Tracy actually crops up again in this story. So Jane grew up in Grimsby, which is just a small seaside town and it's in the north of England. Jane came from a working class background. Her mom was a social worker and her dad was a carpenter. She was one of three children and she had two older brothers. Now throughout Jane's childhood, her family always had financial struggle. Her dad actually struggled to hold down a job for very long because of the economy 
and it was on her mother to be the breadwinner for most of Jane's childhood. Now the financial struggles put a lot of tension on Jane's parents' marriage and Jane was exposed to a lot of arguments when she was growing up. Jane actually remembers having to search for loose change down the side of the sofa just to get enough money to buy a loaf of bread. Like Jane's family really did struggle for money. So much so that when Jane was eight years old, they had to downsize their house. And the new house that they moved into didn't even have a bathroom. It only had an outdoor toilet. And the financial difficulties that Jane's family was going through really affected Jane. And she was determined to get out of the situation. Like when she grew up, she was determined to make her own money and make her own life and not struggle as much as her parents did. So now Jane is entering her teenage years and this is when her mental health starts to take a decline. She had bouts of depression. She also suffered from panic attacks and she also developed an eating disorder. When she was age 15, this is when she started to skip school and become a little bit more rebellious. And when social services got involved with this, because obviously you can't skip school, social services got involved. They contacted Jane's mom to tell her what was going on to try and see if they could help. Well, Jane's mom didn't take this news very well at all. She was actually furious at Jane and, uh, they had a little bit of a clash. And Jane did not react well to this at all. She did not react well to how her mom dealt with this. And she actually tried to take her own life. She found a bunch of pills in the bathroom cabinet and she took them. Luckily, she survived. There was no harm done. But this was such a traumatic experience for both Jane and her mom. And this, again, really affected Jane's mental health. It was also around the same time when Jane was around 15 when she entered into her first sexual relationship. Now, Jane was very vulnerable and she had so many insecurities. And Jane has said that it was because of these insecurities and because she was so vulnerable that she would easily enter into sexual relationships, even though she felt like she wasn't ready and she wasn't comfortable with it. She was just driven by the fear of abandonment and she felt like she had to be sexual in order to keep her partner around. And I would say that this definitely continues on into Jane's life. Definitely keep note of this because I think the fear of abandonment is definitely a running theme in this story. Jane has also said that a lot of these sexual encounters sometimes included violent sexual practices, which she just didn't feel comfortable with. But again, she felt like she couldn't say no because she thought if she said no, she was gonna lose that other person. But after performing these sexual acts, she just felt degraded and worthless. When Jane was 17, she actually did fall pregnant, but she was 17, she felt like she wasn't ready to have a baby and she did decide to have an abortion. And this was a very traumatic experience for Jane. And again, this really affected her mental health. And I feel like I've said that so many times already in this story that her mental health is suffering. And when Jane was 15, 17, it would have been the 80s. And I can't really imagine they took mental health that seriously back in the 80s. Unfortunately, they still don't always take it seriously today. It's still hard today to get help. But it would have been even harder in the 80s. And Jane really did need help. I don't even know if she asked for any. I don't really know, but she definitely needed help. When Jane did finish school, she went on to attend Grimsby College and she went to study fashion and she was actually really lucky to even get into college because like I said, she was skipping school and this really affected her grades. But when she did finish her course studying fashion, she actually did get a job designing clothes at Marks and Spencers. Now, I don't really know how global Marks and Spencers is, but it's like such a British shop. Have you guys heard of Marks and Spencers? If you're outside of the UK, you'll have to let me know. But they're like a pretty big retail company in the UK. They're pretty much everywhere. They do have a bit of a reputation of being like an old person shop, but I love Marks and Spencers food. I love the Percy Pigs. Like if you guys are ever in Marks and Spencers, not that we can travel right now, but if you're ever coming to the UK, go to Marks and Spencers and buy yourself some Percy Pigs because oh my God, they're the best sweets in the world. And if you're in the UK and you've never had Percy Pigs, go to Marks and Spencers now. 
and buy some Percy Pigs. So Jane was working at Marks and Spencer's and she was located in Grimsby, which I've said is in the north of England. However, Jane had dreams of moving south, more closer to London, because she felt like if she moved south, she would lead a more posher, richer lifestyle. Now, for those of you that don't live in the UK, you may not be aware of this. There is kind of a stereotype that the south is more upper class. It's more posher. Like, I'm not gonna get into it. I'm not gonna get political or anything like that. I don't wanna offend anyone. It is just a stereotype, but I'm just trying to put you in the mindset of Jane. She really did think that if she was gonna move south, she would lead this posher, richer, more luxurious lifestyle. Jane would often look in high fashion magazines and she just dreamed of getting a high fashion job in London. And I think a lot of this does stem back to her childhood and the fact that she grew up so poor. Like I said, she was determined to make a different life for herself. I think she dreamed of being rich and kind of being upper class. And one day she was just looking through her fashion magazines and she saw an advert for a job in London. And the job was to be a personal dresser for somebody that was very important, uh, very rich. But the name of the person, this very rich and important person was kept secret. So Jane just thought, you know what, I'm gonna apply. There's no harm in applying, let's apply. And you never know, I might get it. And six months after she applied for the job, she got told that she got it. And when Jane found out who she was gonna be the personal dresser for, Oh my God, was she gobsmacked. It turns out that the very rich, very important person was Sarah Ferguson, AKA the Duchess of York, the daughter-in-law to the queen, Queen Elizabeth, you know? You know her? And Jane couldn't believe it. It's like she always dreamed of this posh, like upper-class lifestyle and you literally can't get any posher than Buckingham Palace, it just doesn't exist. So this is pretty much everything that Jane had ever dreamed of. So just a little bit of background on the royal family. Not that I know much about the royal family. <laughs> My nan should be here to tell you all of this. So Sarah Ferguson, who is more commonly known as Fergie, was married to Prince Andrew, who is the son of Queen Elizabeth. You should all know who Prince Andrew is. If you don't, just Google Jeffrey Epstein. And if you haven't, you should definitely watch the really uncomfortable interview that Prince Andrew did with the BBC. I don't know why I've, I've, I've um, collected that title. Yeah, that was probably one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever watched on TV. But Fergie was definitely seen as a bit of a character, a little bit outspoken, a little bit rebellious, and a little bit controversial as well. And she was always in the shadow of Princess Diana. Before doing this video, I didn't really know much about Fergie, but I did know that she was a bit more controversial. Uh, but when I looked into her, she's not really that controversial at all. Uh, she's just someone with opinions and a voice. And to be honest, it kind of reminds me of how Meghan Markle is treated. Um, not the same, but similar uh, with how Meghan Markle is treated in the press, just because she has a voice and she has an opinion and a personality, she's ripped to shreds for every single little thing that she does. And also the relationship between Fergie and Diana, um, the way it was portrayed in the media is very similar as well to the relationship between Kate and Meghan as well. How the media always makes out that Meghan's the bad guy, while well, they always used to do that to Fergie as well. As always, because this is something that the media love to do, they would always pit Fergie and Diana against each other because they're women and that's basically it. And do any of you watch The Crown? 
Uh, but I think Fergie is actually going to play a bigger role in the next season. So uh, keep an eye out for Fergie and also keep an eye out for Jane Andrews because you never know, she may pop up. So I hope that gives you a brief context of what Fergie was like, kind of. So Jane is working for someone that is pretty much in like the highest levels of the royal family. She left Grimsby, wherever she was living, and she moved into Buckingham Palace. Like I literally cannot imagine what that would feel like. Like going from anywhere to moving into Buckingham Palace would be so weird. And straight away, she was thrown into the glamorous lifestyle of the royal family. And Jane was in her element. Oh boy, did she love this. She was known to brag quite a lot about her job. She would say things like, well, the queen pays my checks. And when Jane got this job, she started to reinvent herself. She wanted to say goodbye to the old Jane and she wanted to become the Jane that she felt like she always was. It was a bit weird to be honest. She basically turned into a mini Fergie herself. She started dressing like Fergie. She started speaking like Fergie. She actually went to elocution lessons to get rid of her Northern accent. Jane really wanted to get rid of her Northern accent because people would make fun of certain words and how she would pronounce them. Like she would pronounce grass and bath instead of grass and bath. And this is actually something that I can relate to because I'm from the Midlands, but I'm classed as Northern, I think. I don't really know. Uh, but I say bath and grass and I've also been made fun of for saying bath and grass and not grass and bath and dance. I, <laughs> I say dance. <laughs> so I can kind of relate to Jane a little bit there, but Jane was a social climber. 100% she would always use the fact that she worked for royalty and who she rubs shoulders with to just try and like climb up the ladder and she'd always just like look for the most important people to see who she could make connections with and around a year after she started her job working for Fergie she actually met a man named Christopher Dunn Butler now he was 21 years older than her and he was an executive at IBM and they had a whirlwind wind relationship. It moved very, very quickly. And after only three months of dating, Christopher proposed to Jane. And a year later, they got married. And everything for a while was going absolutely great. But after a few years of the marriage, Jane just felt like there was no spark left in the relationship. She was actually a little bit bored. And Jane had many affairs. And Jane and Christopher, I think Christopher found out, not too sure, but it was not too long after Jane started having more multiple affairs that they did end up getting divorced. Now, when Jane was going through this divorce, guess who else was getting a divorce? Fergie from her husband, Prince Andrew. Can't say I blame her there. They would bond over the fact that they were getting divorced, share stories and everything, and they would spend a hell of a lot of time together. And because of this, Fergie started to confide in Jane and started letting her uh, in on all of the royal secrets. Well, not all of the royal secrets, because I am sure that there are so many, but she started to tell Jane a few of the secrets. Can't say for sure, but I assume Jane was loving this. Now, because Fergie was getting a divorce from Andrew, she would no longer be a direct member of the royal family. And therefore she wouldn't get as much money because she wasn't a direct member of the royal family. And she had to start letting some of her staff go, but she kept Jane, but this meant that Jane had to take on a lot more responsibilities and Jane's job became a lot more demanding. Not too long after Jane met another man 
called Dimitri Horn and she was introduced to Dimitri by Fergie at one of the charity events that she went to and Jane and Dimitri started dating for a while but it didn't last too long because Dimitri decided that he wanted to end the relationship and Jane did not take this well at all. When Dimitri told Jane that he wanted to end things, they were both in his flat at the time. And in response, Jane just completely started trashing Dimitri's flat. She tore down any pictures that they had together. She broke his phone. There was even an ornament on the mantelpiece that really meant the world to Dimitri. And Jane broke it spitefully because she knew how much it meant to him. She then took Dimitri's journal and blacked out her name, like any mention of her name and then she took Dimitri's brother's checkbook, very weird, and wrote herself a check saying that she was only taking what was rightfully hers. I honestly don't get this. I don't know why she's wrote a check. And Jane has admitted later on that she really regrets her actions with Dimitri, like she did take things a little bit too far. Like I said, she does definitely have a fear of abandonment and she doesn't react the best when people end a relationship with her. And it wasn't too long after this that Jane found herself in another sticky situation. She made headlines because she was accused of stealing, stealing, 250,000 pounds worth of jewellery from Fergie. And this wasn't your average jewellery. I mean, what average jewellery is worth 250,000 pounds? There was one piece that was a diamond necklace that was a gift to Fergie from the Queen as a wedding present. And Jane was accused of stealing this because Jane was responsible for Fergie's luggage. And Jane was the one that checked in her luggage when they got to the airport. And I feel like, shouldn't that really be a carry-on? You shouldn't really be checking a bag in that has 250,000 pounds worth of jewelry in, but that's just my opinion. But anyway, when they got to the destination, Fergie collected her bag and the jewelry that was supposed to be inside was gone. So obviously Jane got the blame because she was supposed to be responsible for it. And somehow the media got wind of this story. Jane made headlines for stealing 250,000 pounds worth of jewelry from Fergie. However, it turned out that Jane was innocent all along. I bet some of you thought she was guilty, didn't you? It was actually discovered that the jewellery was stolen by a baggage handler at the airport and the jewellery was recovered and returned back to Fergie. But even though Jane was completely innocent, the papers had already printed that she was a thief. That is going to affect your mental health and it did. This really affected Jane. And it also definitely started to cause some tension in the relationship between Jane and Fergie. So after all of the stress of being accused of stealing all of the jewellery and also the stress of her breakup with Dimitri, Jane did try to take her life again. Just like she did when she was younger, she took an overdose. She did survive, but like I've said a million times in this story already, Jane is really, really struggling. And things got even worse in November of 1997 when she got fired from her job. Yeah. Fergie fired her. And this came as a complete shock to Jane because it was literally only a few weeks prior that Fergie had expressed to Jane that she would never ever get rid of her, that she was too important to Fergie and that she couldn't imagine 
ever been without her. And also to make it even worse is that Fergie didn't give a real explanation as to why she did fire Jane. And also Jane was really hurt that Fergie didn't have the decency to actually fire her in person. But there are some rumors, mm -hmm, of course there are, about why she actually did fire Jane. And of course the royal family have not confirmed that this is true. But what's surprising, they don't confirm anything is true. I mean, I don't care what the royal family say. The crown is true. So the rumoured reason behind Fergie firing Jane is that after Fergie's divorce, she started to develop feelings for an Italian count. However, this Italian count started to show a little bit too much interest in Jane. And Fergie did not like this at all. So she fired Jane so she could cut Jane out of the picture and so the Italian count uh, would focus on her and not Jane. However, like I said, the royal family and Fergie have not confirmed that that was true. All they said was that firing Jane was a cost-cutting exercise. But due to her losing her job, because this job was everything to Jane, it was everything that she wanted and more. So when she did lose this job, she fell into a very deep depression. She lost a lot of weight. So around a year after she was fired in August of 1998, Jane does meet a new man who is called Thomas Creswell. Jane is 31 at this time and Tom is 39 and the two of them begin dating. Now Tom is literally Jane's perfect man and you want to know why? Because he was a millionaire. I mean I don't think she was just with him for his money but he definitely had that uh, luxurious lifestyle that Jane really wanted and what Jane had but then lost. But now Tom was kind of giving her access to that upper class really posh, really luxurious lifestyle. And Jane completely fell for Tom. Now, Tom was born into money. His father owned a really successful car sales business. And he was also a director at Aston Villa Football Club. But Tom also now ran a successful business himself. And he really did live the life of luxury. Like I said, he was a millionaire. He had yachts. I mean, enough said, he had a yacht. So right now, Jane's life is going pretty well. Like everything is perfect again. But this doesn't last for long. It never does, does it, in these stories. There was a source of tension in their relationship and it always came back to the same thing. And that was the question of commitment and marriage. Tom would accuse Jane of being needy and being really insecure. And Jane would accuse Tom of having a phobia of commitment. And this topic would crop up all the time. Like they would argue so much. And I read that during these arguments, they would threaten to expose each other's secrets. And when I read that, I was like, what the bloody hell are your secrets? Um, but basically, remember Fergie used to confide in Jane and she would tell her all of the royal secrets. Well, Jane opened her big mouth and told Tom some of these royal secrets. And Tom would threaten to go to the press with these secrets. And Jane knew she couldn't allow Tom to go to the papers with all of the royal secrets. But like I said, Jane wasn't innocent either. She would threaten to tell Tom's business partners and friends and families about his dirty habits. And these uh, so-called dirty habits were that Tom used to like violence and domination in sex. Jane has also said that Tom would make certain demands of Jane that he wouldn't want to get out, like he would demand anal, the bondage and role play. And I just feel like, why are you in a relationship with each other if you're constantly threatening each other to expose each other's secrets? It's like, 
<laughs> Why do you want to be with someone like that? And this little cycle of arguing about marriage and then threatening to reveal each other's secrets would carry on for quite a while. Jane has also said that Tom was physically abusive to her, but this came out after everything in this case happened. She didn't reveal this to anyone at the time. There was one incident where Jane broke her wrist and her and Tom told friends and family that she had gotten it just from dancing with Tom and she'd fallen over. However, Jane has later revealed that Tom actually pushed her over an open dishwasher door. So the dishwasher door was open and she fell over it and she clearly landed on her wrist and she broke her wrist. And Jane said that this was not an accident. This was purposely done. And then because Jane had broken her wrist, she actually used this as an excuse to move herself into Tom's house, saying that Tom needed to look after her. Like she couldn't look after herself. She had this broken wrist and Tom needed to look after her. But then Tom's friends have just said that she just used her broken wrist to manipulate Tom even more. I feel like the whole time I was researching this case and particularly this relationship, I was just like, I don't know who to believe. I don't, I feel like they're both liars, like both Tom and Jane, I don't know who to believe. And I feel like they're both equally toxic. So when Jane moved in, of course their volatile relationship continued. <laughs> It's not exactly going to fix things, is it? And when Jane moved in, she started to go through Tom's emails because she was like, oh, they're a lot easier for me to access now. She basically just doesn't trust Tom. And I don't think that has anything to do with Tom. I do just think she has trust issues. Uh, not that that's an excuse, but yeah. And one day she found an email to a female friend that lived in the US and she was really upset by the email. And I bet you think that he was having an affair with this female friend, but he wasn't. It was what he referred to Jane as. So basically in this email, he said to his friend, I can't get rid of her. Like I want to break up with her, but she's just like a pair of old slippers that I can't get rid of. And that really hurt Jane. I mean, that would hurt anyone if you read that your partner had said that you're like a pair of old slippers that they can't get rid of. And of course, Jane confronted Tom about this and they argued as always. And Jane decided to give Tom an ultimatum. She told Tom that he had to marry her in the next six months or they'd be over. Following this ultimatum, Jane and Tom went on a very luxurious holiday. They went to see a boat show in Italy and also visited Tom's parents' house in the French Riviera. And surprisingly, the two of them managed to get along on this holiday, which is rare. There's even footage of them on a boat. You no, know, you can't always say that someone's happy because they have a smile on their face, but they look happy anyway. But of course, the apparent happiness didn't last for long. Holiday ended in a huge argument. And the argument was because Tom revealed to Jane that he would never marry her. And I think Jane thought that because they were on this really romantic holiday that Tom was going to propose. And instead of proposing, he basically just told her that he would never propose. And because this argument happened at the very end of the holiday, it kind of followed them home. And when they did get home, another huge argument broke out because Jane wanted her and Tom to go to couples counseling. And Tom was not interested in going to counseling at all. He actually just wanted to break up with Jane. He had had enough and he just wanted her out of his house. And it was at some point during this argument that Tom actually phoned the police. Is anyone injured? Not yet. And where is your other half? Right here. And what are they doing? Staring at me. Right, so is there any assault we don't even want Not really. Mr. Clarkson, yeah. right? There's nothing threat or anything else. What do you want the police to do? I would like the police to come and split us up. I would like somebody to stop us from hurting each other. 
You can actually hear him saying on the 999 call uh, that him and Jane were having a huge argument and that they should send an officer over before someone gets hurt. However, the police decide that there's no real threat to anybody in this situation and they don't end up going over. They just end up telling Tom to just keep calm. And of course, the arguments carried on after the 999 call. And it was this night after the huge argument that the tragic events of this case take place. It was in the early hours of September the 17th, 2000, that Tom Kresman was beaten with a cricket bat and stabbed multiple times in the chest. He was actually found by one of his employees not long after he was murdered and Jane Andrews was nowhere to be found. Once the police had been informed of Tom's death or murder, they knew that they needed to find Jane Andrews straight away because it was suspicious to them that she had gone missing, but Jane was nowhere to be found. No one, no one knew where she was. And this went on for days. Well, like this is a common occurrence now in these stories that people just go on the run for days and the police can't find them. Even Fergie, remember Fergie, Duchess of York? Even she got involved. She was really trying to find Jane. She was really trying to help out the investigation because she felt like she could actually get through to Jane and get her to hand herself in. But uh, Jane wasn't answering Fergie's calls. And then four days later, Jane was found. She was actually found just off the A38 on the way to Cornwall. And when the police found her, she was in a lay-by and she was very distressed. And Jane had actually tried to take her own life again, but she survived and immediately she was arrested and charged with the murder of Tom Cresman. So when Jane's case eventually went to trial, there was so much interest in Jane and the case and what was gonna happen. Jane actually dressed in black every single day. I don't know if this was an act. I don't know, sometimes people do kind of put on an act when they're in trial, but uh, she was constantly photographed going in and out. Like there was so much press around. And during the trial, the prosecution laid out the case that they had against Jane. And they basically just said that she was a scorned woman who was bitter that Tom had rejected her. And it is said that she attacked Tom with a cricket bat while he was asleep before she stabbed him multiple times in the chest. And the prosecution was saying how cold and revengeful she was. However, Jane's defense claimed that she was acting in self-defense. Jane told the court that Tom had been abusing her for quite a while and on the night of the murder, she picked up a knife in self-defense because Tom was being abusive to her on that night and he was also threatening to kill her. Jane also revealed that on the night of the murder, well before the murder, Tom had tried to sexually assault her. Jane said that when she had picked up the knife in self-defense, this is when Tom started attacking her and before she knew it, Tom had fallen into her and the knife went into him. She panicked and she fled the scene. Now Tom's family were absolutely devastated that Jane was trying to destroy his reputation. And Tom's family said that she wouldn't succeed in destroying his reputation. They said how kind he was and how affectionate he was and how much of a devoted son he was. Tom's family also argued that he had never been violent to anyone in his life and all of his previous relationships, no violence or abuse ever took place. Now I don't really want to question Jane because I don't really want to question anyone that is claiming abuse. I'm not accusing her of lying. However, her defense to murdering Tom just seemed a little bit iffy to me because remember Tom was first hit with a cricket bat and then he was stabbed multiple times in the chest. While Jane's story is that she was holding the knife when Tom attacked her. And before she knew it, he had fallen into the knife and then she fled the scene. So it's like, okay, so where does the cricket bat come in? Because according to Jane, she just stabbed him once and then she fled. Obviously we know that there was a cricket bat involved and also Tom was stabbed multiple times. And Jane has said that Tom fell into her and that's how she stabbed him. 
Okay, so did he fall into you multiple times? So I'm not questioning Jane on the abuse, but I do question her defense. So the jury went away to deliberate. And when they returned, they found Jane guilty of the murder of Tom Cresman. They had not bought her story on the self-defense and she was sentenced to life in prison. So Jane went to prison and she really did lose her life of luxury, didn't she? I mean, she literally went from Buckingham Palace to prison. Not many people can say that, but Jane wasn't about to go to prison quietly. She did claim an appeal many times and each appeal she made, uh, she changed the events that happened and she also claimed a different abuse each time she appealed, which doesn't help the matter, does it? Like if she was being abused, if she keeps changing her story, no one's going to believe her. And as you can imagine, all of these appeals were unsuccessful. At one point as well, she was also considered for early release, but uh, that was denied as well because she was considered a danger to the public. And then in 2009, Jane Andrews made headlines again because she'd made a best friend in prison. And I wonder who that was, uh, Tracy Andrews of all people. The media even called them the Andrews sisters. Really? I mean, I've got to say, there are so many weird similarities between their cases. They both had volatile, toxic relationships. They both were convicted of murdering their partner. The press was also fascinated with both of them. And both of them kept changing the events of what actually happened. And of course, I went through the other similarities in the intro, but they have the same last name. They're basically the same age. They have the same star sign. So yeah, very weird similarities. And now they're best friends. And not only did Jane make headlines because of her new best friend. Jane also made headlines because she went on the run while she was serving her prison sentence because at one point in her sentence she was actually in an open prison where you can leave for like work and stuff in the day uh, and yeah she went on the run for three days and I don't know why she did this because she was nearing the end of her sentence when she did this so it doesn't really make sense to me. And Jane Andrews just seems to be one of those cases where people can't get enough of. There is so much fascination around her. There was even an ITV documentary about her only like a couple of months ago. People are just really fascinated with her. And I think it is because she worked for the royal family. Oh, and also this isn't really got anything to do with the case, but it's just something that I found out and it was really weird. Fergie actually has her own YouTube channel and it's so weird. She just sits there and she reads children's books. So a tighty whitey wind started blowing overhead. Mm. I'd say flying pants. And it's very weird. Uh, so go check that out if you want. There are speculations that if this case happened today, people would actually be a lot more sympathetic with Jane because of the abuse allegations. The tabloids were absolutely brutal with Jane and they're still pretty bad today, I know, but they were definitely a lot worse. But I do just wanna point out that these abuse allegations have not been proven and Tom is not here to defend himself, but also do keep an open mind that just because they haven't been proven doesn't mean that they didn't happen either. Um, so yeah, this case is just such a weird one because I honestly don't know what to believe because I do feel like Jane does lie 100%. So that was the case of Jane Andrews and that was definitely a shocking one, wasn't it? To the fact that Jane was literally working for the highest level of royalty, but still going on to commit a crime the way she did, murder, it's just mind blowing. And I actually have no updates on this case for you because Jane Andrews has been released from prison. So she is still out there somewhere 
living her life. She still appears in the media every now and again. And I'm pretty sure that it won't be long until the British media bring out another documentary on this case because they do like to recycle the royal family scandals in this country. So even though there are no updates, I'm sure we will hear from Jane Andrews or about Jane Andrews again. So that brings us to the end of this episode. Thank you so much everyone for listening today. Subscribe or follow to make sure you never miss an episode of The Criminal Makeup and I really would love it if you could leave a review. In the meantime, if you've been affected by any of the themes in this episode, please take the time to look at the description for this episode for some helpful resources. Special thanks to my producers at Audio Boom Studios and I'll see you all in the next one.